It truly is a privilege to have you with me once again as we initiate our third session in the context of how to be the real you. I really believe in my heart that uh, this is one of the most significant series that you will ever hear due to uh, Satan is afraid of the real you. But all too often, uh, due to fear, due to insecurity, due to experiences that have just really hindered our faith, we walk in really a, a minimal us, someone that loves God, certainly, someone that believes in God, certainly, but someone that just isn't fully free. I mean fully free. You know, if you would take a three-minute trip and to heaven, I mean just be in heaven for three minutes, and then I'll be honest with you, you experienced hell for three minutes. Man, when you came back, you'd be the greatest soul winner on the face of the earth. Why? Because it would be so real to you. If you would see how the Father looks at you, if you would really, I mean, if you would just see him face to face, it, it, it would so amaze you that you would walk in a victory, you would walk in an attitude, you would walk in a glory that would be virtually incomprehensible. Beloved, God is coming back for a glorious church. He's not coming back for a church that's a worm church that's defeated, that he has to take out because they're just not, we're just not strong enough to endure. Jesus Christ is coming back for a glorious church. God is calling his church now to be who they really are. And, and again, I really commend you for listening to uh, uh, this, whether by CD, watching by DVD. Jesus Christ has a hunger in his heart to bring you forth as you really are. Glory to God. All right. Now, this is going to be a, another pretty heavy-duty uh, session in that we have to deal with that which would cause us not to be who we really are. We did this in, in part in our last session, and it was called, uh, you know, Battle. Now this uh, session is called uh, Insecurity to Confidence. God wants you to enter into a confidence in the context of who your God is to you, who you are to God, and who you are because of Him. And I tell you, we're going we're gonna to enter into some strong stuff today, so hold on to your hat and let's just get going. All right. In our last session, we, we shared about the battle, uh, the ways that Satan tries to get us to, to really enter into a place of coping rather than really uh, being on the offensive. You know, the best defense is a good offense. Man, when you bring fear to the enemy, and I tell you, each one of us in the body of Christ should bring fear to the enemy. Uh, you know, in James 4, 6, and 7, the Bible says that resist the devil and he will flee from you in terror. He is afraid of you. He, I, I tell you what, but all too often the church is running from him rather than him running from us. When you enter into the reality of who you really are in Christ, I, I tell you, you will never again bow your knee in fear to the enemy. You will never again wake up and say, you know what, I'm not sure what's going to happen today. You will wake up saying, you know what, I'm going to enter into the day the Lord has made, the day of Jubilee. I'm going to enter into the victory. I'm going to enter into profound intimacy and fruitfulness to the glory of my God. This is what we are teaching unto, praise God. All right, but we have, to, we have to be real. If we're going to enter into the real you, we have to be real about how the enemy tries to come against us. We shared that 1 in 
uh, women have been sexually abused by you know before the age of 21 we shared now it's almost the same statistic for men uh, you know why do you bring that up we're, we're not trying to be negative we're trying to be real we're trying to get people to see you know how Satan tries to come against each of us and how we can overcome you have to enter in to identifying the enemy if you're going to defeat the enemy and we have to be honest with ourselves I mean, I counsel people who have been sexually abused in our counseling center every day. It's tough. Sexual abuse, uh, loss due to our, our parents being divorced, due, due to someone being, uh, you know, just, oh, my gosh, just destroyed by cancer. You, you know, maybe they, they love Jesus in an amazing way and, uh, you know, an amazing Christian, but uh, they, we lost them to cancer. Somebody else, I mean, uh, bullying. You, you know, so many people, uh, we're not meant to be bullied. We're not meant to be wrongly dominated. It can, you know, something that have to happen to you uh, in third grade can affect you seriously for 50 years because you get something in your mind that, you know, you know what, I, have to, I can't be free. I, I've got to fend for myself. It, it might not work. I might, if I was hurt this way then, I might be hurt this way now. I mean, infidelity with a spouse, you know, it can be a hundred different things. Failure is something that really can affect us. You know, we start to identify ourselves with failure as a failure because we failed. And, you know, that's a lie. You don't define yourself by something that you've gone through even when you messed up really bad. Your mess-ups do not define you. Glory to God. Your failures do not make you a failure. You know, you think Abraham Lincoln, I mean, he lost election after election after election. Then he, you know, he won the biggest election, became the president of the United States. You know, your failures can actually be uh, vehicles that God uses to, to bring you forth to, to strength and victory. All right? Uh, not experiencing the love that we, we, we should have experienced. I'll be honest with you, uh, so many parents are struggling. So many parents have never been healed, and they're, actually, they're hurting their children just like they were healed, just like they were hurt. You'd think if somebody was physically abused, for example, that's the last thing they would ever do to their children. But statistics show us unequivocally that if somebody has been physically abused, the chances of them physically abusing their children goes up almost exponentially because they haven't been healed. Domestic abuse is something that's so prevalent. There are so many things. And what happens, I'll be very honest with you, these things lend themselves the insecurity, unsurety, and unbelief. Unsurety is just not being confident. Let's look at these three areas, especially the variable of insecurity. If there is one thing that I, I see more than anything else in the context of uh, founding and directing a counseling center, being a pastor, just being in the body of Christ, is the aspect, the variable of insecurity. I believe insecurity due to being hurt so many over and over again, perhaps, is something that really is one of the primary variables that cause someone not to be the real them. Because when you're insecure, you're, you're going to do things to try to gain security that it really are not 
natural. And we're, we're going to look at this. Uh, but insecurity is really, I mean, without a doubt, uh, one of the primary uh, reasons that people are not the real, they're just not the real them that God's intended them to be. Unsurety, not being confident, unbelief. Uh, and, and when you enter in the insecurity, when you enter in there's a lack of confidence, when you enter in the uh, unbelief and fear, what happens is that, I'll be honest with you, you're angry. I, I mean, uh, there are so many people that are insecure and they're just angry because they're not at peace. When you're not at peace and you think you're vulnerable to getting hurt again, I'll be honest with you, you know, one of the main things that you do, you, you, you become an angry person. You become over-assertive. Uh, my, my daughter, just a few days ago, uh, she, she works with uh, kindergarten-aged children and one of her co-workers, uh, you know, just really uh, was not nice to her. And uh, she said, you know, what, what can I do? And I said, and my wife said, pray for her. And so she was praying for her, and then uh, they were both stayed late that uh, just a few days ago, actually. And uh, they're walking out together, and my daughter said, you know what, if there's anything I can do to help you, you know, just let me know. And uh, the girl just began to cry. She said, you know what, uh, there's nobody really cares about me. She said, my ex, my boyfriend, I, I found out through my ex that I'm ugly. I'm just, uh, I'm fat. I'm just, I'm just unattractive. And my daughter said, that's ridiculous. You don't let someone define, first of all, it's a lie. Second, you don't ever let somebody define you except God. But she began to open up. She began to cry. And she, and she said, you know what? Most people don't like me because I don't like them. She said, I don't trust people. She, she said, I'm just an angry person. How many people fall into that category of anger because of the, they're insecure? And, and one of the ways that they try to cover up the insecurity or, or, or gain security, uh, you know, not to be hurt again, is just to try to be stronger than that person in the context of anger. You know what's scary? Uh, they just, uh, there's been a numerous studies that have come out that says if you're angry, if you're over-assertive, if you're actually demeaning, you will actually be promoted uh, many times faster than somebody else that, that is just being nice because people uh, correlate those traits to just getting ahead to being proactive. Obviously, it's not true. So, you know, anger. You know, when you're angry, that's not the real you. God didn't make you to be angry. Uh, he didn't make you to be over-assertive. You know, again, so many people that have been hurt enter into insecurity and try to gain security by being controlling, by being dominant. And, and again, how many relationships do you see where somebody is controlling? I mean, why do they control others? Well, because it, it gives them a feeling of security. It gives them a feeling of superiority. It gives them really a feeling, a sense of identity. I, you know, well, if I can control these people, if I can be dominant over these people, then I don't have to worry about them hurting me. It gives them a sense of identity. Now, now that is really, uh, it's a shame. It, it, but that's how many people are acting in, in, in that reality, even Christians, even people in the church. I, I know many pastors, to be honest, but they struggle with the aspect of control because they don't think if they're controlling uh, the congregation, the congregation is going to hurt them. 
in relationships. How many times does it happen even in a marriage relationship? I, I tell you, when, and I see it in a dating relationship. I, I tell that person, I, I, you, you need to break it off. Something need, needs to change. You're, no one is meant to be dominated by somebody else. Nobody is meant to be controlled. God wants us to be able, honestly, just to be, just to relax, honestly, to be at peace. Glory to God. Doesn't mean that someone's not going to make a mistake at times, but the, it means this. God has not made you to control others. He's not made you to manipulate others, and he's not made you to be manipulated. See, if you enter into that realm, into that sphere, you're never going to be able to be the real you. All right. And when you're insecure, you're going to need outward uh, reinforcement. Everything's outward. A position, uh, finances, uh, uh, you know, on and on, you know, constant verbal reinforcement, on and on, because you're going to be outward oriented. God wants you to be inward oriented. He wants you to be reinforced first and foremost, amen, through the voice of God. We need to encourage one another. Someone's doing a good job, we need to tell them, amen. I'm not saying that, but we need to make sure that we are not outwardly oriented. Uh, Jesus said this in John 7, 24. He said to the, the leaders, the religious leaders, everything you do is outward. I, I mean, you know, people, I, I mean, it's like you almost want them to worship you. It's like everything's outward. He said, I came that it might be inward from the heart. Amen. Now, I, I know that there's a lot involved here, but I want you to see what hurt does. Hurt brings forth insecurity, a lack of confidence and unbelief. And to these variables that we're talking about also brings about denial. When you're insecure, there's an inability to, to operate in the basics of life, so you deny things. And when you're insecure, even if uh, you might be outwardly successful, you, know, you deny your weaknesses. It's like you're always right. Can I tell you something? If you're going to be the real you, you need to be open to learn. Don't deny your weaknesses. Enter in to sharing, you know, really letting God convey to you weaknesses so he can perfect the weaknesses under strengths. Uh, I, there's uh, Strength Finders uh, 2.0 has sold millions of copies of that book. And, and it says that, you know, we just identify an extension of uh, weight strengths. But that's only half of it. We need to work on our weaknesses as well. If you're afraid of your weaknesses, that's a sign of insecurity. Uh, and we're going to share of how to, to deal with that. Uh, and, and also, that's why so many people, I mean, they're in denial. They're, they're, there are so many Christians. I, I mean, they, they're doing marijuana because it's almost like they're in denial. And it's like they have such a hard time just, just believing that things are going to work. They, they said, I tried that. It doesn't work. I love God. But it's almost like they're in denial and the drugs mask, you know, the reality of the pain. You don't have to have drugs mask the reality of the pain. God wants to heal you of your pain so you can go from insecurity to confidence. Glory to God. And, of course, that's the title of this session. Glory to Jesus. You know, he wants us to be in a place, glory to God, where we can be the real us. You know, I don't have a problem with sports. I don't have a problem with hobbies, whether it's hunting or antiques or whatever it is. But when it is a denial, 
I, I, the way you're in, so many people they enter into sports because their real life doesn't make it. So it's almost like everything becomes sports because now it's almost like they can project themselves into the person that is winning the game or scoring, you know, scoring the, the basket that wins the game or whatever. Be yourself. Sports is fine. You know, hobbies are fine. But they're not to make up for a lack of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And the real you. Oh, man. It's, man, when you are in sync with God. Man, when it's all about relationship. When the, when the real you is able to enter into intimacy with God. Intimacy with your spouse. Intimacy with your kids. And, and when I talk about intimacy, I'm just talking about closeness of relationship. I'm talking about, man, man, you communicate. Man, you love one another. You, you, you know, the joy of your life is, you, is your God. Is, hallelujah. Is your spouse. Is your kids. and Are your friends. That's real life. That's the real you. I, you know, it's amazing. Uh, different studies have been done recently. And, and people will be asked, how many close friends do you really have? And you might think it'd be, you know, 20, 25, 30. Uh, and the average is about one. That's sad. Why? It's because people are insecure. So when relationships don't be, seem to be working, they run from them to another relationship. It's when relationships, and it's because people don't know how to enter into relationships. When you're insecure, everything has to go your way. And very many times you have to control the situation. God wants you to be yourself. And know this, when you are yourself, that's when you're amazing. Because that's when you're free. And then who God made you to be starts to come out. You don't have to fear rejection. Oh, man, when you're insecure, the fear of rejection is so strong. You don't have to fear anything, praise God, because you're made to win. You're made to be blessed. You're made to be strong. You're made to enter into the character of Christ. You're made to experience Jesus Christ. You're made to enter into the image of God. And every day you live, man, you owe oh, glory to God. You're growing more into the image of Jesus Christ. We're going to elaborate on this in the context of provision. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. All I can tell you is this, man, God has made you to be blessed. But again, when you're insecure, when there's unsurety and a lack of confidence, what happens is that many times depression comes in. Because when you're insecure, you feel like you, you can't make it. You, you feel like you can't succeed. And depression sets in. And even, uh, you know, thoughts of suicide. God wants you to know, again, you're second to no one. And, and we're going to look at the provision for uh, uh, insecurity, unsurety, and unbelief. And I, I need you to see this. Perfectionism. A lot of people think, well, if I do everything right, then, you know what? That'll bring security to me. But we know that's not the provision because it's impossible to enter into. Uh, I, there's so many things here. When you're insecure, I mean, you, you know, you can't deal with people who bring up your weaknesses, because, even in love, in the Bible, that's called exhortation. You, you know, they're there to help you, but you can't deal with it. The fear of rejection, the fear of vulnerability. So many Christians, and, and I'm sharing these things with you, to see which ones you identify with 
so God can minister the balm of Gilead to you, to bring healing to you. And man, you know what's neat about God? Let, let's just say you're struggling with anger. God doesn't say, you know what, you got to get rid of this anger, you know, by doing this, this, and this. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but God loves you so much. He'll share with you the provision. He'll become the provision, not in condemnation, not in legalism, not in you just trying to do things on your own, but through grace, through mercy, through his love and his power. But I, I, you know, we've gone down a lot of these things. Let, let me uh, look at uh, the fear of vulnerability and the fear of rejection. And then I, I want to see which ones you identify with. And then we're going to go through two categories that are even stronger than this, ramifications of, of being hurt. And then we're going to look at the provision. But the fear of rejection. So many people are afraid to be the real them because of the fear of rejection. I guarantee you that if you're a Christian, there is a desire within your heart to share the gospel with others. But if you never enter into being healed, the fear of rejection will override the desire within you to share the gospel. And, and you see, and Jesus needs you to share the gospel and the eternal life being given to others. I know that's, you know, so I desire of your heart. But the fear of rejection can negate that. God's going to remove that, praise God, even today. The fear of vulnerability. I, I tell people all the time, fruit is produced out in the limb. And, and, you know, there are always going to be times when, man, it looks like people don't want to hear and God will send you to these people. It, it looks like, you know, you're going to get hurt. I, I, but God, that's where... In battle is where the victory comes. We do not have to fear vulnerability because Jesus Christ will never let us down. All right, I'm going to go over these and just see perhaps where you would identify with any of these. We said we talked about anger. And again, we talked about hurt bringing insecurity, a lack of confidence, unbelief, and, and then manifested in these variables that we went over, these 10 variables. Anger, over-assertiveness, the need to control and to dominate, or being controlled and dominated because you're afraid to stand up, being outward-oriented, being in a place of denial, even denying the weaknesses that you have, or entering into a place of, whether it's marijuana or whatever, because you just can't deal with reality, depression, even suicidal thoughts, perfectionism, and a place where you cannot enter into somebody in a real relationship sharing with you about weaknesses you have, even when it's in love, the fear of rejection, and the fear of vulnerability. And I want you to, you know, just put in your mind, or if you have a pencil and paper, uh, as you're either listening to the CDs or, you know, watching the DVDs, uh, just write them down if you have pencil and paper, or just think about the one or two that might stand out. You might say, wow, I have a, quite a few of these. It's okay. Jesus has provision. Glory to God. Now, here's what happens a lot of times. When we are in a place of insecurity, and these variables are, are knocking on our door. 
we try to enter into something other than Jesus to fulfill our need. This is called divination. Divination is when it's a divining spirit. What I mean by divining spirit, it, it, it can be through people or actually through demonic spirits. I know when people hear about demonic spirits, like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? Demons can try to influence you wrongly. There are angels of influence. There are angels of strength. But demonic spirits can try to take hold of us. It doesn't mean that, you know, there's demons, you know, ruling your life, you know, type of thing inside of you. But what it does mean is demons can affect your mind, your emotions, how you perceive things. Uh, so what happens is that, you know, we say, I need this to work. I, I, you know, someone says, you know what? I, I struggle with years with smoking. And, and I tried to pray, but it just doesn't seem to work. So I'm going to go to a hypnotist. Hypnotism is a type of divination. And someone says, well, I went to the hypnotist, and now I, I, I'm not smoking. But I'm here to tell you something. When you're not control, in control of your mind, someone else is. And I tell you, you see, you might have the smoking taken care of, but I guarantee you. You will enter into oppression and depression. Uh, it's divination, again, is where you go to something that's bad to try to remedy something that's bad in your life, and you don't know that the remedy is bad. Someone says, yeah, I, I do marijuana, I do some cocaine. That's a type of divination. And, and, and someone says, but I feel more peace when I do some cocaine. I, I do, well, your peace is not meant to come through cocaine. Or meth, it's meant to come through Jesus. Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. And many good pastors that love God fall into this. Uh, they, they enter into the seeker-friendly mentality. What's seeker-friendly? Well, seeker-friendly in the context of just meeting people where they're at, that's fine. But when you enter into a mindset that says, you know what? Uh, we can't enter into church like the Bible says. I was actually at a conference and one of the speakers said, do we really think that the Jesus of 2,000 years ago and casting out demons and, you know, is really going to draw people to our churches? And I'm thinking to myself, well, first of all, what, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, the Jesus, Jesus is the drawing card. But you know what? Someone says, well, he's not so easy to receive. No kidding. But so then let's take out the real Jesus. No more uh, gifts of the Spirit. No more, you know, strong worship. No more this, no more this. And what happens is it's a seeker-friendly church, and, but it's, it's not God. And sometimes uh, you enter into this and someone says, yeah, I was just met with a pastor. I said, please don't do this. It's compromising the gospel. And he says, yeah, but more people are coming because now, you know, I don't share the meat of the word. You know, I don't get into speaking in tongues. I mean, that can turn people off. What do you think God says, told the disciples in the early church? It's necessary. Well, he says, I know Jesus said that, but, you know, when you say, I know Jesus said that, but it's not right. And he said, yeah, but we got more people coming to church now. We don't do worship as long. We don't pray as heavy duty. You know, we're not into sharing on spiritual warfare anymore. And it's like, wow. It just made me cry. I just began to weep. Uh, I, again, I believe in meeting people where they're at, but there's something wrong with that. 
I had a pastor tell me, he said, yeah, he said, when we do older calls now, he said, we play Steely Dan. He said, we say, we, I said, I don't, why are you playing a song from the 70s and 80s? I don't know why. And I, I looked at right now and I said, man, the only trouble when you get people saved by Steely Dan, you got to get them delivered by Three Dog Night. And he said, he, he, you know, I said, come on. Let, let, let's get the real Jesus. Let's not be ashamed of the real Jesus. Let's not be ashamed of the blood. Let's not be ashamed of the word of God. Let's not be ashamed uh, to do spiritual warfare. Amen. But you see, good, well-meaning, but wrong. Uh, you, you know, the grace message, it's changed my life. But the grace message to me is this. I've got unmerited favor by the blood of Jesus and I can enter into divine ability, hallelujah, being conformed to the image of Jesus and do all things through Christ. According to Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But people have taken the grace message and they, it, it just makes me weep. It's like, well, God accepts us. Where, he accepts us wherever we're at. He knows that, man, I, 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 I'm only human. And I'm going to enter into a little bit of pornography. I'm going to enter into a little bit of this. I, I, I can't be expected to do this. Certainly I can't be expected to do this. It's a message so contrary to true grace that I think it makes God throw up because it's lukewarmness. It's a promotion of lukewarmness. It says God accept these where I am in my flesh instead of saying Hallelujah, Jesus has made provision for my flesh and by the spirit of the living God, by the word of grace, I can enter into doing all things through Christ. No, we don't enter in to making God who we want him to be. We enter into being who God says we have to be. Uh, we can go on and on. You know, accommodation. You know, I, I, was, I like church, you know, to, to go to, to learn, you know, in conferences, etc. But again, I said a conference and everything's about not offending people. Don't offend people. You know, you know, unless you really have to, you know, don't tell them that anything that they're doing wrong. You, you know, everything's accommodation. You know, just it, it, don't offend, don't offend, don't offend. And I thought to myself, Jesus is offensive. Jesus didn't say I'm not offensive. He didn't say I'm not offensive. He says, glory, here's what he said. I am offensive, but don't be offended by me, accept me. Don't call, I'm not a stumbling block. Man, Jesus cast out demons. If the real Jesus came to your church and man, he cast out demons and, and they reacted like he did when he was here 2,000 years ago, 90% of the church would tell the pastor not to have that, that pastor back. If the real Jesus came in and he, and he confronted people, man, whitewashed tombs, open sepulchers. Man, I, I, I tell you, people wouldn't go to that church. Well, that's not grace. Can I tell you something? It is grace because it's love and Jesus is sharing with you things you need to hear. The real Jesus, I would say in 90% of our churches would not be accepted. Would, he'd be thrown out within half the time he would be ministering. It's not about accommodation. It's about dying to self. All right? Now, you said, why are you saying all this? So you can enter being the real you? You see, if you're going to be accommodated, stroked, if you're going to have to have everybody do things the way you want, it will make you feel good, but it will not elicit. It will not bring forth the real you, the real you that's to be strong, the real you that's to be courageous, the real you that when something's hard, you don't run, you stay, the real you that causes you to be Christ-like. 
I, I told you this is going to be challenging. All right. Let, let's share one, a few more things a little strong, and, and then I, we'll give the provision, okay? And that'll be, I, I, that'll be not, it'll still be challenging, but I, I got to get you to see the devil will do everything he can to cause you not to be the real you, either by harm or by accommodation and getting you to think that you don't have to pay a price because you've been hurt. Can I tell you something? God wants to heal you so you can pay a price. All right. Now, I'm going to look at three types of demons. Someone says, demons, are they still in the earth today? Believe me, they're in the earth today. I'm going to look at familiar spirits and oppression. Listen to me real closely. When you've been hurt, a familiar spirit, the Bible teaches so much about a familiar spirits. Uh, you know, in, in, in 1 Samuel, you know, when uh, Saul conjured up, you, you know, the spirit of Samuel. I, I mean, as a familiar spirit, I mean, through a, through a diviner, he conjured up this. It looked like Samuel. I, I mean, talked like Samuel, gave wisdom. It wasn't Samuel. It was a demon acting like Samuel. A familiar spirit is a demon familiar with a, an experience in your life of hurt wherein he will make it seem like yesterday. Let me give you two examples. I, I was just ministering to a lady recently. She shared she had been sexually abused, at, I believe, at the age of seven. And, and by the discerning of spirits, I looked at her and on, her on her left shoulder. I saw a demon. It looked like a little child. I, I said, I'm not trying to scare you, but there's, there's a, it's like there's a little child on your left. She said, oh, that was me. When I was seven, when I was sexually abused, she said, I've been carrying that little girl around on my shoulder. She's been there for the last 50 years. And, and this woman was a leader in her church, raised three beautiful kids, ha had a husband, you know, loved God, but, but she was oppressed. Her, those whole 50 years, she was not free. She was not the real her. There was oppression. There was fear. There was anxiety. She said, there's like a darkness around me. See, that was a demon of familiarity making 50 years ago look like yesterday. Of course it hindered her from being the real her. Man, I, I rebuked it in Jesus' name. She started to weep and then she started to dance. Her husband was in the back. She grabbed a hold of him. He said, what's, what's going on? So he began to dance with her. She's never been the same since. If yesterday the pain of yesterday is still with you. You'll never be the real you. Survivor's guilt. I, I, I know a man, he's, he's on, strung out on drugs. He, uh, he was in that car accident. Actually hit behind, not his fault. He was driving, his little brother got killed. He's got, he's, this was 50 years ago. He's in his 50s. Now, I'm sorry, he, uh, he was 17. He, he's 67. So, yeah, about 50 years ago. It's like it was yesterday. Never got free from it. Obviously, he's in denial. He can't, he, 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 he oh, Jesus. Somebody else, I'm listening to a pastor. He has about 50 churches under him. Tremendous man of God. But he's not free. See, you can be minister and still not be free. You, you can be okay in the sense of, you know, hold down a job and be the soccer mom, but still not be free. When, when he was newly married, 
him and his wife were 19 years old. I, I mean, he hit his wife, actually punched her. I mean, she was not a good deal. She forgave him. They went through counseling. They, I mean, they've been married decades and decades. And then this man's, in, now he's like about 71. He's no more free than the devil himself. He weeps every day. It's like he did this to her yesterday. I, 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 just recently he got free, 71 years old, 52 years of not being free. Do you understand why, why I'm doing this series? I, I, I put my arms around him. I wept. I said, man, you're a greater man of God than me. You've got, you've got 50, 60 churches under you. I mean, you write books. You do this and you do that. And I said, you're not free because he alluded to this, what happened to him even at this conference I was at. He says, I'll never be free to heaven. I said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. We rebuke the familiar spirit, and for the first time in 52 years, he was free to be the real him. Right now, I sense there's people listening to me, people watching right now, and you say, you know what? The time that I messed up so bad, the time that I hurt my spouse, the time I hurt my children, the time that I was hurt so bad, and sometimes they go together. I, 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 I just, the, the, when I failed and, and I never got over it, there's a familiar spirit, and you know what I'm talking about right now. I want you to lift your hands. You're going to be free in the next moments. Right now, just lift your hand and say this with me. Say, Jesus, I receive my freedom. Just lift your hands and look at me if you're watching by DVD or listening by CD. I rebuke the familiar spirits that's causing 50 years ago or five days ago where you did something wrong that's oppressing you. Uh, most of you, it's, it's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I rebuke the familiar spirit making that time of hurt uh, as though it was yesterday that, that, that is oppressing you. That mistake that you made, I receive it rebuked in Jesus' name. I receive the familiar spirit gone in Jesus' name. Right now, just thank him that the familiar spirit is left. Just say right now, say thank you, Lord Jesus, that I am free from the past and my destiny is in front of me without, without ever thinking again about that experience of harm. Whether I was hurt or hurt someone else, in Jesus' name, thank you. It's left I guarantee you, and I know you sense freedom. I've never had it not leave immediately. Just thank them. There's freedom loosed right now in an amazing way. Wow. I, demonic, wow, I could, so, boy, I just sense Jesus so much. A demonic spirit of unbelief. Man, when you've been hurt, when it looks like God didn't come through for you, man, when you're crying out, don't let that uncle do this to me again. Don't let this neighbor do this to me again. It, it, it happened. Man, a spirit of unbelief could come in. Where's God? What, uh, uh, can I tell you something? Jesus was there. He, was, he weeps for you. And he's there to heal you. Unbelief. Man, when something came in, it just didn't seem like God came through. You stepped out in ministry, and it didn't seem to work. I mean, a desire of your heart didn't seem to come to pass. And there's unbelief. And sometimes it's generational. You know, dad and mom did had a spirit of unbelief. Grandma and grandpap had a spirit of unbelief. You'll never be the real you unless you're 
completely free of unbelief. Now, unbelief, the provision is obviously in the context of the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing him by the Word of God. But where there's a spirit of unbelief, I, I tell you, it's a hindrance really to entering into the Word of God. Right now, if you struggle with unbelief, just put your hands up again. I rebuke unbelief over you in Jesus' name. And I lose the real you. The real you is believing. I lose the spirit of faith in you, to you, and through you in Jesus' name. Lastly, it is a spirit, a demon of victimization. You know, we deal with girls who have been date raped all the time. You know, we're uh, in the counseling center, and the first thing I do if someone's been date raped, even if they're not a Christian, my wife and I or another counselor with me, we'll say, here's the deal. The chance of you, of you being hurt again in the same way go up exponentially. You, 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 you know, why? Because there's an aura, there's something, the spirit's just, uh, uh, somebody that wants to hurt somebody, a perpetrator can walk in a room and if there's 10 girls there and, and two of them are date raped, they immediately will go to these two girls. I said, we're going to break the spirit of victimization. If you've been hurt over and over and over again, if you feel like a victim, if you feel like you draw people that will hurt you, right now, say, Lord Jesus, I receive the spirit of victimization leaving me now in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm made to be a victor, not a victim to the glory of God. Wow. Whew, all right, I know this is strong, but let's get into the provision. Woo, we already did, right? you know, to a definite degree. But I want to enter into just the abiding provision because believe me, there was provision manifested. Woo, my goodness. I wasn't planning on doing that, but I'll tell you what, I'm sure glad we did. And I guarantee you this, what you've entered into and being set free, my goodness, whether it's from a divination, whether it's from being a victim, all these things we entered into. And again, we're going to enter into, you know, you know, being delivered from familiar spirits and oppression, unbelief, victimization. And now we're going to enter into provision for those other areas that we talked about, whether it's anger, whether it's depression, perfectionism, whatever. The real you. One, keep your image before you. Keep the image before you. Know who you really are. Uh, we're going to look at the variables of emotions and, and the mind in our next session. Uh, both they can be a hindrance or they can be uh, really a vehicles of God. Uh, but keep the image before you. You know, uh, years ago, I think when I was about 14, as most kids do, you get into this uh, mindset, we're going to lift weights and we're going to be, you know, the greatest athlete in the world. We're going to be like the Hulk. And usually with your weightlifting set, it is a guy on there that looks like, you know, Mr. Atlas. And you put it up on the wall and uh, usually after about 10 days, you know, two weeks, you're done lifting and, and you, you rip up, the, you know, the poster. I had a friend of mine. Honestly, he was about 120 pounds. All of us got into the weightlifting thing. We all quit. He had this poster and he told me, I'm going to look like this. Within about a year, year and a half, as God, I mean, he became the starting linebacker on the football team. And it was amazing. See, what was the difference between him and me and our other friends? He kept the vision before him. And he knew that he 
could enter into being what the vision was. God's greatest vision for you is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Every characteristic of Christ is in you through the new birth. And as you keep the image before you, what is in you, as it is cultivated by the love of God, will become who you are, which is the real you. The Bible teaches us emphatically that uh, you have the faith of God. Not just the faith of an angel, not the faith of Paul, not the faith of Peter, but the faith of Jesus. It's Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live, listen to this, not only by faith in God, but by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Romans 12.3 says you have the faith of God. Even as you have the love of God. The same love that caused God to send His only begotten Son. The same love that caused Jesus to stay on the cross when He could have called 10,000 angels to take Him down and to be released. That's in you. That's the real you. John 14, 12. It's amazing. It says that the works that Jesus Christ did, healing the sick, uh, everything you can think of, Deaf hearing, lame walking, everything you can think of. Deliverance from those who were harmed. That's who you are. You know, I, I carry a, a picture in my Bible. It, it, it reminds me of who I am. I had a word of knowledge. I, I had never heard the name before. T-L-C-A-E-L. And there was a lady there. She said, I'm just going down to be with the parents. They, they, don't give, they only give the, the child uh, days to live. He was born and without, uh, it was a heart condition. I said, he will live and not die. They went down. And, and, and I mean, a miracle that was just profound. And this is a picture of him now, now he's older. Glory to God. But you see, I keep that because it tells me who God is, all right? He's the healer, not me, not you. But it tells me because I'm his child. His love is in me. His faith is in me. His ability to believe and enter into the gifts of the Spirit is in me. That's who I am. His life in unmerited favor, in divine ability, through the supreme sacrifice He made, has now become my life. His image is now my image. Again, doesn't make us a little God, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. But it makes us literally children of the Most High God. All right. Provision. Keeping the image before you. And next, entering in to experiencing the glory of God. You see, Christianity is not about trying to get so good that God will accept you. Christianity is the reality of being accepted, understanding that the life of God is in you through the new birth, through the Holy Spirit, and it's all about cultivation. You know, if you wanted to be the greatest scientist in the world, you know, you probably couldn't. <laughs> you know, you just can't say, I want to be the greatest scientist in the world. You know, the idea, you know, if you think, you know, I think I can, I think I can. I, no, you can only enter into things as you've been gifted. 
I mean, I could never have been a doctor because I, I was not good at math. But I could enter into get, obtaining a doctorate because, you know, or, you know, do a master's degree or whatever because I, in, in the area of counseling. Here's the exciting thing. You may never be the greatest athlete. You may never be, the, you know, the person that is uh, the greatest scientist in the world. But you can enter in to that which is greatest. And that's the image of Jesus Christ through cultivation. Again, understanding by the blood it's in you through the new birth of the Holy Spirit. How do you cultivate it? Well, you need to see that, again, that what, when, you cult, when you enter into the Word of God, when you enter in, the life of God manifests, grows. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus grew in the Spirit. He grew in favor. He with God in man. He, he grew in stature as well. Just like you grow in stature, you will grow in your spirit and you will grow exceedingly. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, we've been called to the glory of God. We've been called to partake of the glory of God, of his divine nature. How do you do this? Well, it's through entering in to the power of revelation through the word of God. Ephesians 1, 16 to 23 says, God's given you the spirit of revelation. Just like when Peter uh, said, you are the Messiah, you're the Christ. Jesus said, you entered into that supernaturally through the spirit of revelation. It's amazing. The same spirit that caused Peter to know that Jesus was the Christ. The same spirit that caused Jesus to enter into his identity. Glory to God through the word of God. is the same spirit that will cause you to enter into your identity in Christ. Woo! So you could be the real you. Jesus had to grow in his spirit. Jesus, had, Jesus divested himself according to Philippians 2, 1 to 6. He became a man like you and me as he entered in, praise God, through the word of God. He started to enter in, glory to God, his identity. He grew and grew and grew in his spirit and he had to enter in daily, glory to God, to the word of God, to the presence of God. I've shared this verse before. I wasn't going to share it again, but i got to share it. It's amazing. John 6.57, Jesus said this. Let me just turn there. John 6.57, it's an amazing verse. Oh, you talk about being the real you. Oh, glory to God. Jesus said this. Woo, hallelujah. If you're, you, This doesn't get you excited. There is nothing that's going to get you excited. Jesus said this. Even as... The Father sent me, and I live by eating of the Father. So he who eats of me will become like me. Jesus is saying, I eat of the Father. His voice, his love, his grace, his empowerment, his presence, his strength. And now, I'm giving you the ability to eat of me, of my words, of my presence, of my voice, of my grace, and the strength. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
It's just amazing. Oh, glory to God. There's so much in my heart and so little time, but in the context of provision, but let's go to 2 Corinthians 3. You know, Moses, the Bible says, talk with God face to face. And in 2 Corinthians 3, the Apostle Paul, knowing of just a profound intimacy that Moses entered into, knowing that the greatest demonstration of intimacy being when he spent 40 days with God on top of Mount Horeb and came back where his face shone literally with the glory of God to the point that people couldn't look at his face because they had to put a cloth over it. And here's what the Bible says. God says this. Moses was a man under the old covenant. He says what is under the new covenant in the context of entering into the glory of God is far greater to where it minimizes that which Moses entered into due to its greatness. I mean, God's saying, I want my presence to be in your life even greater than it was in the life of Moses. God said, I want my presence to be so awesome to you that you enter into a place where insecurity is done away with. In the presence of God, you enter into a place where unsurety is negated. You enter into a place where unbelief is it's negated. You enter into a place of wholeness. Whether it's the sexual abuse. Whether it's the loss of a mother and father. Whether it is pain that you incurred through due to being bullied. Whether it's not being loved or being loved second best. Whether it's this failure after failure. Whether it's you doing things where you've hurt people and you just can't get over it. Whether it's me survivor's guilt, it could be a hundred things. Again, to lead to the things that we talked about. Whether it's perfectionism or depression or anger. The ten variables that we talked about. The provision is so great. It's amazing. I, I, I just love us so much. Second Corinthians 3.18, let's read it. Woo! It says, then all of us, that includes you, with unveiled face. Woo! Because we continue to behold in the word of God. <coughs> As in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. See, when you enter into the word of God, the word of God enters into you. Man, when I read in John 17, 23, that God the Father loves me as much as he loves his only begotten son. When I read in John 15, that Jesus Christ loves me as much as he loves the Father. And when I read, glory to God, hallelujah, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 15, that the Holy Spirit esteems my koinonia, my, my fellowship with him as much as he esteems the koinonia of the Father and the Son. I, I mean, I, I read this and it changes me. It negates inferiority. It negates the pain of experiences of harm. It causes me to enter in, to seeing who I am, and then entering in to what I see. 
John chapter 3, verse 3, Nicodemus says, what do I need to be born again? Well, it's obviously so you can go to heaven. But Jesus said this, you need to be born again that you might see the kingdom of God, to see the heart of the kingdom, to see who you really are, but then to enter into it, to what you see. You can't enter into what you don't know is there. It's amazing. It simply is amazing to enter in to the word of God being revealed to you as it was revealed to Jesus when he was on the earth. To experiencing the presence of God like Jesus did. To enter into hearing the voice of God like Jesus did. It's amazing. It's simply amazing. I know as I'm saying this, I always get people say, who are you to put yourself in the category of being able to do the works that Jesus did? Putting yourself in the category of Jesus in the context of doing the works that he did. Having the love that he had. The faith that he had. Experiencing the love of the Father like he did. Who are you to do this? Can I tell you something? I didn't do it. I never would even think of such a thing. I wouldn't even have ever thought of myself even being close to being in the image of angels, let alone putting myself in the category of Jesus again, not as a little God, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. But I, I would have never thought of it. But in, in putting myself in the context of relationship, I didn't do it. God did. You see, if you're going to enter being who you are, you have to get out of stinking thinking. You have to get out of the mindset that you're just a worm. The things you want to do, you can't do. And the things you don't want to do, you do. The Romans 7 man, which is a man of the flesh, the man that walks according to the law, the man that's not born again. And you need to enter into seeing things from God's perspective. No, I didn't make myself the righteousness of God in Christ. I didn't give myself the job description of doing the works that Jesus did. I didn't give myself eternal life. I didn't give myself the reality of 2 Corinthians 3.18. That's, oh my gosh, we didn't even get done reading it yet. Glory to God. Where it says, man, that I'm going to enter in to experiencing the glory of God in a transfigurative way under being conformed to the image of Jesus. I didn't give it to myself. I didn't give myself this word. I didn't say it. But glory to God, I'm going to enter into it because there's a desire within me to be who I am, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Christ is in me the hope of glory, and I'm not going to forfeit it due to appeasing religiosity. I'm not going to forfeit it by, by being defined by my failure. I'm not going to forfeit it by, by saying, you know what, this is too good to be true. I'm going to enter into it because I didn't give it to myself. Jesus did. I'm not going to perfect myself. Jesus will. And I guarantee you this. I'm made in the image of God. And through simple cultivation, I will enter in by the Spirit of God. No, it's not about me. It's Christ in me by grace. But I will enter in because Jesus Christ died to give me entrance. And I am not 
going to fall short of it because of the price that he paid. I'm not going to negate what he died to give me. And I believe you will not either. Oh, Jesus. Two more things before we close. One, one of the provisions of God is having people to mentor you. Fathers in the faith. Hopefully, you know, your natural father and mother are going to be to that end. But I know one of the greatest ways that I've grown is through uh, older Christians helping me. And even today, I'm an older man. You know, I've been saved and, uh, you know, since 1972. But I always learn more uh, from people. You want to be discipled by every person in the body of Christ, no matter how old they are, <clears throat> they should be discipling someone and then being discipled by someone. Now, if you're young in the faith, you just should be discipled by someone at the start. A father in the faith is someone that cares about you. They want you to end up being stronger than them. They're unselfish. They're not there for, for any other purpose than to help you in your growth. I would encourage you to enter into having spiritual fathers. The Bible says there's many teachers, not many fathers. I, I, I told God when I teach the word, I want to enter into a, a spirit of a father in the sense of just loving people to the point where I, I just want them to enter into your image. Enter into your image. Uh, the last thing we'll share before we close in prayer is this. Part of the provision that God gives you to overcoming, uh, whether, again, we, we look at these 10 things and, uh, uh, you know, the anger, the overassertiveness, control and dominion, outward appearance, outward oriented, denial, depression, perfectionism, uh, not being able to deal with weaknesses, fear of rejection, fear of vulnerability. And it's not all inclusive. But when we enter into this, here's what's so powerful. There can be a tendency that when you've messed up, maybe you've been backslidden to say, you know what, I'm not worthy or, you know, I just don't see this working. I want to share something with you. Where there is desire, there is provision. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says this. The mystery of the gospel is Christ in you. And that is a mystery, isn't it? The God Almighty, the God who created the universe, the God who is perfect, is in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, he was, if you're saved, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Wow. But it says he's in you. This is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We said the provision revolves around you putting the image before you, the image of glory, then entering in through the vehicles of glory to experience the glory of God. See, the glory of God is the love of God. It is the voice of God, the presence of God, the spirit of revelation. If God has given you a desire for great intimacy with God, and he has, he'll fulfill it. See, Jesus had in him great desires. He had a desire for intimacy with the Father. That's why he got up early. That's why he, he prayed late. Obviously, he had a desire to save the world. That's not your desire, okay? Your desire is to proclaim the salvation message that Jesus entered into. 
But with every desire, there's provision. I was going to enter into this in a greater degree, but we're going to have to, to wait for our, our next session. There, there's so much here. But I'll, I'll only say this. Let your heart out. The Bible says open rebuke is even better than love that's concealed. Don't let your weaknesses, the experiences of harm that cause your weaknesses, keep you from living by your heart. You see, every one of us has a desire to share the gospel because Christ is in us and Christ had a desire to share the gospel. Every one of us has a desire to hear the voice of God. Every one of us has a, a desire to enter into the Shekinah glory of God, the heavy presence of God. Every one of us has a desire to be strong and not weak in faith. Every one of us has a desire to help people. Let me just share this last example. I could share literally hundreds Hundreds. Oh my, there's so many. So many. Let me just share the desire to share the gospel. I know when I was a younger Christian, there is, uh, I had some friends and they, they were not saved. I, I'd just gotten saved. I was a freshman in college. And I went home one weekend specifically to share the gospel. And on Friday night, I shared the gospel with one of my friends that was awesome. I don't know, I just felt, I felt good about it. It was easy for me to share the gospel. That was Friday evening. Later on that night, by 11 o'clock, I was walking home from his house, and I saw my other best friend, one of my best friends, and for some reason, I just got tongue-tied. I, 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 see, the real me wanted to share the gospel, but I entered into fear. What would he think? It's amazing how you can share one time with somebody and no fear. Somebody else, you got fear. And I, because I was fearful and tongue-tied, I didn't share with them. And uh, so I said, tomorrow I will. So Saturday, I, I was going to go up to his house. And again, it just seemed like there was fear all around me. I didn't know by then that I, I just needed to walk by faith. I was just a young Christian. And uh, long story short, I, I didn't share the gospel with him that weekend. And uh, so I, I did write him a letter that week. And uh, I trusted God, but I'm not sure. I, I wrote him a letter when I got back to school on Sunday. I met him on Monday. I'm sure he got that letter by Wednesday, but Friday he died. Actually, it was murdered. I, I need to get this across to you. I'm not condemned by that, and I trusted the letter helped him. We need to be the real us. We need to live by heart. You see, Christ is in you. Here's what's amazing. He gives you the same desires that he had when he walked to earth as a man 2,000 years ago. The desire to share the gospel. The desire to be intimate with the Father. The desire to, 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 to love others and help them in the context of healing and uh, uh, you know, deliverance from oppression and depression, according to Luke 4, to heal the brokenhearted. 
I'm going to close by sharing this with you. When you live by your heart, you'll be vulnerable. When you live by your heart, you're going to need a lot of Jesus, to be honest with you, uh, to enter in, to, be, to live by your heart successfully. The glory of God. But when you live by your heart, it's amazing. Because when you live by your heart, the God who created your heart, the God who is in your heart, is a God that will confirm your heart. Out of insecurity, you don't have to fear. Out of unsurety, you don't have to fear. Out of unbelief, you don't have to fear. You don't have to enter into the ten variables we talked about. Because even as God himself has created your heart, is in your heart, and will confirm your heart, this perfect love casts out all fear. And when you live by your heart, that's when you'll be the real you. Can you just repeat these words? Say, Father, you created my heart, my born-again spirit. You're in my heart. You will confirm my heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, through the spirit of grace, heal me fully. Cause me to be filled with your spirit. Cause me to be a child of yours that is fearful of nothing, that lives by the heart that you've given me so I can truly be the real me, the me that you've created even through your own precious blood.